Hi, this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work and Play podcast. Well, the first quarter earnings report for 2023, in it, Bob Iger shared the status of the Walt Disney Company and made a startling announcement. An avatar experience is coming to Disneyland. We will look at how this could happen and what it could mean. Where would you put this? There is a way. We'll also look at other announcements made in this event and what it means to those who love to visit Disney parks and watch their share of all things Disney and theaters and on Disney+. Plus. Exciting news is buffered by tough cuts, but it does pave a way for Disney's success as it moves far away from the Bob Chapek era. Avatar is coming to Disneyland. Let's take a look at it and other Disney announcements. By the way, you may want to check out DisneyAtPlay.com where we have notes from this podcast and other links that we'll be talking about. You also want to make sure that you subscribe to Disney At Play so that you're notified of upcoming podcasts. This one is a little earlier than the traditional Friday morning. I try to, and we've kind of been back and forth, but I wanted to catch the wave of yesterday's announcements and uh and of its uh um of bob Iger's remarks so i this is really just the right time to bring that to you and i hope that um you are being notified by subscribing to this podcast and to your um your podcast uh network all right well i also want to remind you that this podcast as well as others are brought to you by performance journeys which celebrates its 20th year in bringing best in organization ideas through learning, development, and training solutions to the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. At Performance Journeys, it's as much about the journey as it is about the performance. Reach us to learn more about workshops, seminars, keynotes, and other programs we can deliver to you in regards to customer service, business excellence, leadership development, and engaging your workforce. All right, so let me just give a couple of larger pieces to this um, to this event that occurred um, the other day. In um, Bob Iger's words, um, he stated that, quote, our company is fueled by storytelling. Every dollar earned comes from something creative. To spur this, people must be empowered. He feels strongly that a new structure needs to give authority to those creative leaders and then providing accountability for um, its success. Bob noted, we believe the work we are doing to reshape our company around creativity while reducing expenses will lead to sustained growth and profitability for our streaming business, better position us to weather future disruption and global economic challenges and deliver value for our shareholders." End of quote. To get there, Disney is going to operate under three newly named core business segments, Disney Entertainment, ESPN, and Disney Parks Experiences and Products. That um, with that restructuring, there is an anticipated 7,000 layoffs and $5.5 billion in cost savings that are ahead for the company. Bob Iger noted, quote, 
While this is necessary in facing the challenges of today, I do not take it lightly, end of quote. Well, in a large organization, corporate organization like the Walt Disney Company, 7,000 um, matters, but it isn't as big a dent as you might think. Now, interestingly, most of the headlines led off not with the things we're going to talk about, but with the 7,000 layoffs. And I'm not putting the significance of that down, but most of those layoffs will probably be at the corporate level. Most will be in marketing, sales, maybe IT, those areas. Um, some operational, but not really much that would affect the guest experience when it trickles down to the parks. They're really struggling for hiring, not for um, not for reducing staff. So now where that can they can have staff freezes, they could do that. They could choose not to hire or replace someone. Those kinds of things happen. But um, I, I, I think that's a pretty minor, I don't want to downplay it, but I, I don't think it's as big as, I, I think when you're in a quarterly call like this, these are the things that they say to pacify shareholders who want to see that you are a lean, mean organization. But what's really going to work for Disney is not that it got lean and mean. What's going to work for Disney is that it's got great product that people are embracing and coming to. And so that brings us to Disney Plus, to film, to media. The lead off there is that Disney Plus has lost 2.4 million subscribers. Still puts it, according to the graphs I see, ahead of Netflix. Um, and it still is an, a substantial gain of people over the last three years. But a lot of subscribers were under a three-year kind of agreement, and a lot of drop-off came at the end of that three-year agreement. So it's not surprising either that there has been a little bit of drop-off. Plus, I think there's an opportunity to really refocus on what Disney Plus should or should not offer. And I think that's at the heart of what he's, what Bob Iger has said in this conference call. Quote, he said, we were in a global arms race for subscribers and the numbers become the primary measurement for success. In our zeal to get subscribers, we may have become too aggressive in our promotion. Pricing is another issue. We took pricing up and we suffered very little. We can't get profitability without growing subs. We need to grow quality subs and price effectively to those subs. We have got to be better at curating Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, Pixar, and so forth. He noted that in 2022, ten, Nielsen had shown that 10 out of the top 15 streaming movies during that year were from Disney, like Turning Bread, Encanto, etc. Um, so from his point of view, and this is significant moving forward, even as we get to the parks, core brands work for Disney. That means you're going to see beyond the fact that, um, well, and um, he, he amplifies this by talking about, for instance, Wakanda had five Oscar nominations and it has become one of the most successful platforms on Disney+. Um, Plus. Um, Ant-Man is out next week. 
Then there's Little Mermaid. We have Elemental from Pixar. Indiana Jones is coming. Haunted Mansion is coming. Guardians of the Galaxy is coming. There's a big lineup. If you really look at those, those are all tiered or aligned to exactly um, um, the brand of Disney. These are very branded elements. Elemental is the only one that's really kind of new or different. Everything else is very much aligned to what you know about Disney and Marvel and Pixar and and so forth. Um, and to that effect, they have announced that they've got sequels coming to Toy Story, to Frozen, to Zootopia. You may have mixed feelings about that. I, I don't care to see another Toy Story movie again, but I can I can see that Frozen is not completed. I could see a third film on that. And I think Zootopia has a lot of room for opportunity within it. It's really a whole world in and of itself. Um, he noted that ABC News is number one in America. He talked about um, that the company won more Golden Globes um, than any other company to include Abbott Elementary. And he said that the interesting thing about El Abbott Elementary and this is in his conversation about, are we in the streaming business? Are we in linear consumption like television and so forth? He says, actually, Avid Elementary starts at ABC with a population of some that, that target around being around 60 years old. But then it goes off to Hulu and the target audience ends up being, or the, the audience that is consuming it on Hulu ends up being around 30-year-olds. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how how the products are moving between the different lines, different parts of the operation. He also talked about ESPN. It's a differentiator for this company. It's, he, as he put it, the best sports brand. Yes, it's going through challenging times due to linear programming. Um, he sees the combination of linear programming and streaming, but um, and he sees the need to better monetize the thing, but he is not engaged in spinning off the company. In fact, actually a study before he came on board was done about the idea of spinning off the company and they determined that it really shouldn't be done. And uh, so they're struggling with costs there, trying to get um, the right contracts, particularly with the NBA and so forth. So that kind of gives you the big picture. Yeah, probably a lot more uh, familiar products coming out because of that core brand, but that's what Disney is doing well, and they need to depend on that to to a large degree as they kind of pull away from this. This is what this is what is showing to be successful when you go to Disney Plus, when you go to a ABC, and all of those different uh, venues. Now let's get to the parks. the The quarterly uh, quarterly report indicated that they were thrilled thrilled i think was the number used with results increasing 25 percent to the year prior to over three billion dollars in growth in domestic parks and that was achieved interestingly they talk about how this was achieved in part by better managing demand in the parks per cap spending was strong dcl was a meaningful contributor with higher occupancy on the ships than a year before, as well as with the addition of the Disney Wish. Bob Iger says, 
quote, yes, I am very, very bullish on the parks. Demand is really strong. We can let more people in and more aggressively price. Letting more people in will diminish results. We reduce capacity, increase customer satisfaction, and maintain a robust bottom line over the holidays. So what really happened over the holidays? They pulled out annual pass holders and so forth, and they they pulled out the number of people who could be in the parks, but they increased that ticket price. And increasing that ticket price does, means they can also reduce the cost. If you go back to annual reports going, or, or actually, hmm, Dick Nunes talked about this years ago, that you get to the holidays and you would actually lose money over the holidays. Even though there were far more people in the parks, it was costing them so much more to give them the kind of experience that was really honestly difficult to give. So they've said, let's pull back on this, charge more for those periods of time. But at the same time, um, improve the customer satisfaction. And the result was they still made a ton of money by charging more and having less people in the park during those peak periods of time. Um, he talked about the fact that they that the parks were not perceived to be accessible or affordable to many customer segments. They've taken steps um, to, to turn that around that have been very positive. He also says they've put in more flexibility to the customer or on how much it costs to go. So for instance, the core ticket at Disneyland has not substantially increased over inflation, but the lower price days, there were only about 15 of those. Now they've changed it to some 50 days where you get the bottom price and that has been well received. So they've been able to fill in those, those lower attendance days with more guests coming in during that time pa period. They want to manage capacity. That shifts the mix from annual pass holder to once in a lifetime customers where their cap per cap spending is strong. Um, they've learned that investing and increasing capacity can grow the business. Here's an interesting notion, and this is very important to our next discussion. Increasing capacity grows the business. The more people they can put into the parks because there's more to offer, the better they are doing at making money. Pandora was a perfect example of that. When it was added to Disney's Animal Kingdom, you see that attendance and 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 per cap increases and and bottom line increases jumped significantly. The same thing happened or should have happened with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It kind of was back ended into the Pandora or to the pandemic. Sorry, not the Pandora, the pandemic. Um and so um, there, um, so all of this is kind of, they're looking at this and saying, how do, we, how do we increase capacity? Another example they gave was Disneyland Paris. First of all, they noted that the substantial investment that they have made on the parks has, has paid off very well for them. And I've mentioned that in terms of our visit to Paris last summer. They have done an amazing job of not only creating a beautiful park, but of getting that park to run and not break down all the time and so forth. They added Avengers Campus 
to the Walt Disney Studios Park, and that has been very popular, and demand has been really good. They took the old New York Hotel there at Disneyland Paris, and they redid it as the Art of Marvel Hotel. That has been um, hugely successful. So they're looking at how can we how can we increase capacity? That is really really important. Now, before we get into well, let's talk about Pandora. First of all, Avatar, James Cameron's Way of Water, was the fourth biggest film ever at $2.2 billion. That's at this point. Um, the global reception um, to this film creates more opportunities for fans to interact with the franchise. So in Bob's words, today I'm thrilled to announce that we will be bringing an exciting avatar experience to Disneyland. We'll be sharing more details on that very soon, end of quote. Now, a couple of things about this. Note, he did not say an avatar land, nor did he say something, we are bringing the land of Pandora. He spoke of an experience, not a land. And interestingly, he said, we're bringing an exciting avatar experience to Disneyland. He didn't say to Disneyland Resort. So where do you go with all of this? And what does this suggest? First of all, uh, if you are familiar with Disneyland, you're probably scratching your head and going, ah, man, goodness, that's a big, that was a big land, that Pandora, Disney's Animal Kingdom, where are they going to find the space to put that in? There's, there's no room. And in anywhere at Disneyland, you know, I mean, they're talking about extending over um, the bridges toward the hotels and adding more to the parks. But this is that's a long term plan. I want to suggest to you that if there's anything Bob Iger wants to do right now is to increase capacity soon, not 10 years from now, not even five years from now. Moreover, let's consider Tomorrowland. Now, don't panic on this. Bob Iger promised something back in 2017 or so would be done to Tomorrowland. Something needed to be done. Um, and yet nothing happened. When Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, people thought, well, are they going to put that in Tomorrowland? No, they created a separate space and that increased capacity by putting it out there. That added more places for guests to go and do attractions and all that's involved there without... Um, and, and thus allowing an increase in attendance because there was more places to put people. Um, I don't see Tomorrowland being redone as a Pandora land, but it could be a jumping off point to a Pandora experience. Um, what do I mean by that? It could be that you take Alpha Centauri Expeditions Um and you have a Tomorrowland-looking facility based on Alpha Centauri expeditions, and there you go in, and there you are beamed up to Pandora, or you become an avatar. I'll get more to that in a moment. But remember, he stated specifically that the job here is to create greater capacity. That means not something, not simply replacing something, but adding something that will create more capacity or replacing something that adds more capacity than before. Now, this is very different than the Judson Green era of the 1990s, where they determined that if you took 
if you were going to add something in the park, you had to take something out because they had determined that really you could, people could only do so many attractions in the day. So why are you creating a bazillion attractions when they can only go to so many? And so you take out the Skyway so you could add um, Splash Mountain or something like that. These kinds, I mean, that's not a one for one thing, but they did. But if you look at 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, that went out at about the same time Splash Mountain did. Add the Skyway and so forth. You see, there was kind of this switch out that was kind of going on during that time. I think he is trying to say, look, we've got spaces where we can build more within those spaces and let's better utilize the square footage of what we have so that we can add more people into that square footage. Let me give you some example of what that looks like, doesn't look like. You could go to Disneyland and um, you could, for instance, redo the submarine voyage into a way of water experience. Well, the reality of it is, is the capacity. First of all, there's already a ton of people wanting to go on submarine voyage finding Nemo. So by, by simply replacing it, you just got a t the same ton of people standing in line, if not a bigger ton of people. You're not really adding new capacity. And, um, and so it's really not the greatest place to just replace something. Oh, yeah, you, you'd have a way of water experience, but it's not a great place to put your money. You could bulldoze what was submarine, Autopia, and the former motorboat cruise area, but you'd have to address the monorail beams. Plus, that would be very expensive. Plus, money is tight, and they need greater capacity sooner, not five, seven years from now. And, and to do that would be a massive overhaul to, to Disneyland for a gain that would be much further off. However, you could do a stepping off point in Tomorrowland that allows you to beam up to or more likely be an avatar or something that that way you could preserve all of Tomorrowland but embellish on it. So in effect, you could maybe find something to redo the Carousel Theater. Could the Carousel Theater be taken over with an Alpha Centauri thing? Remember, by the way, remember that before we had Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, they said to get people all excited about this, we are building Launch Bay, Star Wars Launch Bay. And let me tell you, that Star Wars Launch Bay, which was a redo, very simple redo of the um, Disney animation experience um, at, uh, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and by the way, the Carousel Theater, that quickly gave people, I mean, they had Star Wars days and Star Wars seasons or something like that. And there was a huge influx of attendance. People were very excited and people really lined up for all that. And so, and so you could do something much more immediate in something like the Carousel Theater. That would increase capacity of what is a fairly empty building. That building has huge capacity opportunities. If nothing else, what you, ought, what you ought to do is take down the Carousel Theater and put something in its place. But um, you could also find some space in DCA and do a jumping off point from California. If you go to the Hollywood back lot, 
that has some black box spaces for doing something immediately. And under the Hollywood studio umbrella, you could even use the Hyperion Theater for doing something. Um, although I think it would be greater to put something tied into Avengers since it's so close to Avengers campus. Um, but it could go to Pandora as well. You, In other words, you've got some spaces in that Hollywood backlot area to do something that is Avatar related. Is it the land? No, but you could do something. More, more ideal, going back to Tomorrowland, you could do a 3D, 4D type movie in the Magic Eye Theater. The film, uh, the, the Avatar film, is great for that kind of experience. By the way, if... If you haven't seen and Pandora, Way of Water, you really ought to go to the theater and see that. It is a beautiful film to see on a big screen. And I think it would be great to put it in that kind of former Captain EO space that became Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and all that. That film would be great for that kind of experience. It could be tied into that Tomorrowland feel and theme. That could happen sooner. That's why Magic Eye Theater and that's why Captain Eel came, came to be. Is Michael Eisner didn't have the patience to wait for a Splash Mountain or even a Star Tours to be built. So they just created a theater and created a 3D movie so they could get crowds in. And it paid off big time. They could do something very much like that. Tied in, give Tomorrowland a fresh something between it and carousel theater just you know doing a launch bay kind of thing you are already in including some stuff now you may be disappointed and say huh that's not what i'm looking for i'm looking for something like a pandora land well you know what you get a smaller taste in california that attracts guests increases capacity but then still leaves them wanting to get the greater experience in florida and by the way what's great about the idea of doing the film concept is that you could also take that film over to Disneyland Paris. They've got a magic eye kind of theater in Tomorrowland. You could take it even to Epcot. Yeah, it doesn't sound quite right in Epcot, but honestly, something filling up that space where we're playing Pixar uh, Disney shorts would be a really good use of space. So those are the kinds of concepts that if I were CEO, I'd want to get in place right away so we could get as, as much increase capacity as possible into these attractions. Also, there's a possibility of adding that bigger kind of Pandora experience in Walt Disney Studios Paris and elsewhere. And by the way, if you haven't seen some of the footage, this is where Disney can really benefit. And I, you know, I did a lot of hype on doing a fifth theme park. But honestly, when you look at your existing parks like Walt Disney Studios Paris or Hong Kong Disney, smaller parks, you see the impact that Frozen going into Hong Kong Disneyland and eventually to Disneyland Paris, it's going to add so much more capacity to these parks. They are going to become so much bigger and so much more relevant. You do the same thing with adding Zootopia over at Shanghai, the Disney Springs project to Tokyo Disneyland, that is going to add huge capacity to that park and the resort ultimately. All of these things are great ways to, without having to add infrastructure like Universal is with their new park, there is a lot to be said about doing some things, some projects like this. And I think that's where 
again, I think that's where they're going. We'll wait and see. More info to come, but I think you're not looking at an entire land. I think you are looking at something like a 3D movie or some kind of launch bay right away and maybe something a little bigger much later on. By the way, another other pieces of news, Disney intends to offer a modest dividend by the end of the year and to increase it in the quarters to follow. It was interesting during the Q&A how many people said welcome back to Bob Iger. Now they asked serious questions, but none ventured into any conversation around Nelson Peltz and the Trion Fund management. That almost seemed to be in, in the rearview mirror. That said, many of the things that they talked about in the meeting were referring to issues that Peltz and his fund management group had brought up. But people seemed, you, I sense from the investment community, people were very happy to see Bob Iger return. And stock went up more than $10 per share in the after hours trading. Came back down to about half of that after, after that. But all things considered, not a bad day. It's unfortunate because you lead off with all these layoffs. That's not, that's what everybody's reporting this morning. But there's really a lot more to come. And, and a lot of good that's happening. Clearly, the parks are doing great. Clearly, they need to figure out how to make revenues. He said, I think he promised it by the end of 24 that Disney Plus would be making profitability. So these things are yet to happen. And, uh, and so we'll have to kind of hang tight and see where it goes from here. All right, well... I think I'm probably the first one to have a podcast out after this quarterly announcement and the first one to talk about this thing of Avatar coming to Disney land. That's what I try to do is create just in time podcasts so that you can benefit from the cool stuff that is happening in the moment in this podcast sphere. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part. Make sure you subscribe so you get notifications. And if you can, check out our Wayfinder Society, our Patreon group, where um, you can help support some of the great stuff and in return get some really cool interactive tools that celebrate all things Disney. Check it out. There's a link on our site at disneyatplay.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part. And in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.